This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia ora. Welcome in to episode 146 of Half Measures Podcast. I'm Paul. I'll be your driver today. And on the journey with me, as always, is my co-driver, Dan Whining King. Kia ora, Dan. Paul, I don't know whether our listeners truly understand, but I don't think we want you as our driver um, for various reasons, which I'm sure you'll, you'll get into shortly. But before we do... My condolences for England in the World Cup, Paul. <laughs> I, the World Cup got cancelled, I understand, because Brazil went out and people just lost interest after that, as far as I'm aware. Oh, it's not even happening anymore? I don't think so, yeah. I'm not sure. I I haven't caught up on how England are going. I've kind of pushed it to one side, actually. It's a bit... I can't even... As soon as England go out, that's it. I shut down. I shut all my tabs off in my phone that are related to football, and I haven't been back since. I still haven't seen Italy live, lift the trophy from last year when they beat England in the final because I turned my TV off and shut it all down. It's too much. <clears throat> Crazy. Anyway, Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about maybe why uh, you shouldn't be driving this uh, particular vehicle or heavy machinery? Yeah, well, I shouldn't be driving the podcast, that's for sure. But uh, since since we last spoke, that I mean, you know, what's what's been happening in your week, in my week, I've had a couple of couple of days in the old hospital after um, having a bit of a car accident. Which, which, firstly, I'm fine. Firstly, no one else is injured, and secondly, <laughs> it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Um, yeah, it was just one of those things. Uh, and I tell you. I've reflected a lot this week about how precious life is because it could have been very different, right? You have a car accident and you start thinking about how things might have gone. I got real, real lucky with what happened with me. You know, no one else was near me. No one else was in my car. As you can see, I came away with it with nothing more than, you know, a sore neck and a sore back. So I am. Um, yeah. What, um, what you don't realize, Paul, is you, you like you've actually been in a coma for 20 years. This is... Um... <laughs> Has the walking dead come back? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I am um, glad to hear that you are okay. And ladies and gentlemen, for those at home, when Paul texts me to tell me he'd been in an accident, I think maybe the second thing he said to me is, don't worry, we'll still record the podcast. So his his commitment to half measures is, is stronger than ever. Correct. It's probably, yeah, um, I get labeled part-time Paul at work and you know I think it's full-time podcast Paul I um <laughs> no I was determined because I that was you know us recording it was a few days down the line so I knew I'd be right for that but um I'll tell you it was an experience I've never been so happy to come home to my wife and kids it was only three days in the hospital but it felt so much longer and putting aside the experience of everything that happened the worst thing for me is just you know, the worry and the stress you put on other people, you know, my family, my workmates, the people, the people in the region that I'd gone to, to work with, the, the the poor person who I was supposed to be co-hosting this, the, this, this two day one hanger that me and my colleague were doing, my manager, our Patreon producers. I mean, everyone I put through the mixer. 
Oh well, you're right, and that's the uh, that's the most important thing. And it's it's good to have you you back on deck. And we'll, I'll give you a pass if you sort of like fade in and out of this podcast. Today. You can just edit it right and just sort of take out some mm. of the silences. That'd be great. That would be great. Let's get down to business uh, then, because we have got a podcast to to run here. And as uh, what's the word? Goodness me, I really have lost it. Tradition, as tradition dictates, I will ask you the question, Dan. What have you been watching this week? All right, so I've got a, a couple of things for you. Um, so the first thing I thought I'd better jump on the bandwagon and check out is this Netflix documentary series, Harry and Megan. So this is the it's kind of in two parts so they've dropped the first three episodes i have heard paul a lot of hate towards this tv show Mm. and i thought to myself i've got to check it out i've got to see what it's all about i from memory i'm pretty sure we found the the interview that they did with oprah okay like it wasn't yeah you know like it was fine and i like I, i don't really want to get into a whole kind of royal bashing like i i don't really have the the subject matter expertise to really get into it but this is i thought it would be kind of a, a tolerable um slightly informing watch it's not good it's it's not a fun watch i think it's done no favors for for harry and megan i think in particular megan comes across terrible in this and considering this is a a documentary you know about them kind of commissioned and, and led by them this is it's not an easy watch and i think i think the thing that is is difficult is megan is 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 kind of the star of the documentary and she just talks a lot about the the almost like kind of surprise of just how much media attention she's been getting how much it's changed her life how she's had to give everything up and it just you know, it could have so easily been a documentary that I think kind of made people think, oh, yeah, I, I see I see what you guys are going for here. I can see the, the good you're trying to put back into the universe. I can see what you're trying to trying to do. But it's, it's really just coming across so self-fulfilling to the point that I know there's three more episodes dropping. I don't know if I'm going to watch it, Paul. Like, I don't know if it's like, – it just didn't feel like a, you know, you can watch something and then you can kind of like, oh, I'll just put this on in the background. Mm. And but this doesn't leave a good a good taste. So I think for me, it's it's probably going to be a a chow. I'll see you later. I I don't think I need any more of this the story right now. But it's it's certainly getting its fair share of um of backlash. Is this on your radar at all? Well, it's it's half on the radar, but with more with an eye to the fact that. In a, you know, just after Christmas, I've got my, you know, my my parents coming over here for a, a month, and you know, when you think about oh, what are the things that we can watch? So we've already put the crown to one side, and I thought, oh, would Harry and Harry and Meghan be a good, um, you know, a little uh, sort of chaser for, for for the crown? And everything I have heard is, is, is as you've said, is is to the negative, and and some of that I've heard from from people who are, you know, very much anti-royalists some of it i've heard from people who are very much anti sort of what harry and megan have done so sort of pro-royalists i'm hearing it from you now i'm looking on imdb and seeing it's got a 3.2 i haven't seen anything that starts with a three since you and i reviewed 
the Will Beyond Walking Dead series months ago. And so it's almost now like that's a really bad analogy for me to be using, but it's kind of like that car crash or thing where you saw where you can't help but look. You know, it's like, is it so mm-hmm. bad that it's like, how can they have got this so wrong? Because they would have had a bit of money put in this and Netflix would have wanted to 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 to, to tread carefully, I would have thought. Um, and also the timing with the Queen's passing as well. It just all feels wrong. Oh, it's, it's, it's so interesting because I felt like I kind of came into this kind of pretty neutral about the whole Harry and Meghan thing. If anything, maybe just sort of more interested in what sort of separating from your royal duties looks like. Yeah. But it, it's and, – and I probably would have said I was more pro Harry and Meghan, but – from watching the first three episodes, I, I I almost feel like it's really turned my my attitude around to be be quite anti, which I I wouldn't have thought I was. I, you know, I was probably a little bit intrigued about, it. and I was even considering, you know, like Harry's got his new book coming out in January, That's right. and I was kind of intrigued about, oh, it would be interesting to kind of, you know, maybe read more about this. But again, it's it's put me right off. Like I'm just I I, I don't know if I'm interested. Like I think it just, and I think it's the making factor, and I. I didn't know that was an issue for me until I started watching the show. So I, I think just the way that she just comes across, so it, it's all about her. And there's been a lot of stuff I've seen too where they, they have sort of lots of B-roll clips in this documentary of the press, of um, paparazzi kind of chasing them. And there's been a few um, clips come out that, that actually some of this B-roll footage isn't even from being around Harry and Meghan. This is like paparazzi press photos from a Harry Potter premiere or all sorts of other weird stuff. So whoever's actually made the documentary is kind of further kind of discrediting everything going on because they're not using factually accurate information. So I look, I, I don't think this bodes well for his book. I don't think the future episodes are probably going to do anything to lift that rating. If anything, I think they've unfortunately – I think turned a few kind of neutral people, which, I, as I say, I, I think I would be in the space around. It's it's extraordinary, and what I find probably the most interesting is that uh, Harry and Meghan would have had the opportunity to, well, they, for starters, they know what they've said, and they would have had a chance to to watch that, um, and and that, and they've let it go ahead and i remember reading a while ago and I, i'm presuming now it would have been when the queen had just passed that they they might have been trying to to to, to stop it or to or to delay it or or or, or something like that <coughs> but um i i'm surprised that it's it's gone ahead i'm surprised it's as bad as it and it's it's disappointing on a number of levels because you sort of you, I don't know whether pro royalists would agree, but you kind of, you, I'd like to think I'd watch this and sort of empathize with their situation and have an understanding. I'd also like mm. to think I might come out of it and sort of maybe even have a, a, an appreciation for royals in terms of the pressures that they're under. So this is why they wanted to get out, but also an appreciation for the, on the pressures of those who have remained. Um, but it doesn't feel like I'm going to get any of those things. And, I'm actually now thinking this could be a dangerous watch with parents rather than a chaser. Well, it's definitely going to give some spicy conversations, that's for sure. Look, I, I think, you know, keep one eye on it to see how these these new three episodes sort of drop on what they do, but something has gone terribly wrong in what should have been a fairly, as you say, insightful documentary. 
Um, and I just don't think any of the the messages are kind of landing around what they're wanting to be. And I think no no one is probably watching this documentary and thinking, poor you guys, mm. I think, unfortunately. So, yeah, bad timing. Yeah, that is a real so shame. That, that is on Netflix if you're interested in watching it. Um, the other thing I've watched is I've watched a movie called The Northman. Oh, yeah. So this is a 2022 movie uh, by Robert Eggers. And this is the movie where Alexander Skarsgård plays a, plays a Viking alongside Nicole Kidman and uh, Ethan Hawke. And it's a movie that has been on my radar pretty much since its launch. I'm a really big fan of um, Robert Eggers and some of some of the work that he's done in the past. And so much so that I've been so tempted to buy this movie for a long time. Like we, we've watched a few movies um, of his in the past. Like we've we've reviewed the Lighthouse here on the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, we've well, I've reviewed the Witch. It was a, a recommendation um, from Sador at one point. And like the Witch, amazing. I think the the Northman is is good. I think I came into this movie. Um, I think looking for something that it didn't quite deliver me, and I and I wonder if that's because particularly sort of Norse mythology, Viking mythology is so well covered in in TV shows like Vikings, uh, The Last Kingdom. I'm, I'm currently playing God of War on the PlayStation. Like I feel sort of like deep in this kind of um, this realm, and I think if this movie had maybe come out. 10 years ago, for example, it probably would have been received quite differently, but it, it sort of feels like a, a familiar territory. But it, it's a it's a classic tale of revenge. They lean heavily into uh, the mythology here. It's got some, you know, uh, and, and yeah, Taylor Joy, she, she's starred in a, a, few of, a few other of his movies. Fantastic. Also sort of brings sort of some, some elements of, witchcraft to it without sort of like leaning leaning too deep into that it's a it's a it's a good movie with a some good sort of good story elements strong cast definitely beautifully made beautifully shot i just don't think i walked away from it thinking this is this is one of my favorites Mm. but uh but i i had a good time the the poster is certainly quite striking and as you say with robert eggers at the helm that sort of does get my attention and i also really enjoyed anya taylor joy in the uh the chess one the chess one yes god i'm really there we go really losing it now aren't i um queen's gambit queen's gambit thank you nicole kim kidman ethan hall i mean everything you know right through Alec- alexander skarsgård i mean the skarsgård name is just amazing i i don't know what it was about this movie that didn't sort of um didn't quite tempt me in enough because peek behind the curtain it was your turn on movie of the week this week and you put this forward as one of the two options and I went with the second option which we'll talk about later and and it's kind of I I can't quite put my finger on why it didn't quite grasp me but I was really keen to still hear what it what it was about and I I'm you know obviously you've gone ahead and watched it now so for you to give it this sort of rating tells me that it's it's not something that I would immediately put on my watch list. It might be a uh, make time for later on in the year next year or something. 
And I think it was purely because for me, I think I've been kind of hanging out to watch this movie for a very long time and to see it finally appear on streaming services, Mm. I was very excited. And I think almost with these movies, like when I I watched The Witch for the first time, I, I had zero expectations around it and I just, you know, came out of it absolutely loving it. Um... This I I just I, I think my expectations were set so high, but I I feel like I'm probably giving it a little bit of a hard like this is still a very good movie. Mm. I, as I say, the the plot in the story is good, if if not a little bit um, of a standard revenge storyline, but it's still still like you know on IMDb it's a, a seven point one out of ten, which is not a terrible uh, review score by any means. It's just maybe. I think this is just a saturated market of of this of the Viking genre, yeah. and so y- you've got a lot to kind of compete with, and you've got a lot to kind of do to kind of, I guess, surprise or, or bring in new elements. Like it, it, you know, even Thor brings in elements of yeah. um, of this. I was just thinking of Thor, but yeah, and not just a lot of other content out there, but like the show, the Vikings show, obviously hugely successful hugely popular and a really high standard plus there was the there's the spin-off of that and so yeah it's kind of it's uh it's like uh it's like lord of the rings coming out at the same time as house of the dragon it's that kind of thing it's like um you, you're not you, you've got something else that's in your wheelhouse that's out there mm. i will be intrigued because i imagine we've got a few listeners who will be who are probably quite passionate about the film, so it'll be interesting to kind of hear whether we mm. we hear from them over on our Discord channel or in the mailbag next week. But sure. that is a movie you can currently watch this on uh, Neon here in New Zealand. It's also available on Amazon, oh, sorry Prime Video, I believe. So available in a couple of places. But that is me, Paul. What have you been watching? Well, uh, I've got one TV series I'm bringing to the pod this week, Dan, and. I don't know why I actually I don't know why I left it this long to watch this show. Um and this is 18 episodes as well. So as luck would have it spending two nights by myself in a hospital gave me all the time I needed to actually go away and, uh, and watch this show. And this is the Ryan Reynolds Rob McElhenney show Welcome to Wrexham. Um so this series chronicles the purchase of Wrexham Football Club, a Welsh football club in the UK, one of the oldest clubs, the oldest stadium in the on the planet, um, and the journey that Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney go through. Dan, thank goodness I had my AirPods and my charger with me, for starters, because, you know, uh, this was a bit of a journey. This is one of the most incredible shows I have watched not just this year, but but in years, I feel I actually feel almost a little bit emotional just thinking about the show. I wasn't prepared for how much it would hit home. And for anyone who's already tuned out from what I'm saying, and I and I get that you might have because oh yeah, I'm not interested in football. It's not for me. Next, let me tell you right now, you do not need to be a football fan to to, to get something out of the show to love the show. In reality, the the football is is not the main focus. If you took all the football clips and put them together. I'd say 20%, 25% of this whole series. This is a series about uh, about a community, about people's lives, uh, you know, about fans, pub owners, local video rental shop owners, groundsmen, bus driver. It's, 
it's absolutely incredible watch and i wasn't as i say i wasn't prepared for it. i was expecting a bit of a football journey as a football fan but it's it's really much 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 more than that it looks really interesting it's kind of been low-key on my radar and i've heard some very positive things it almost feels like i want to make some ted lasso um kind of connections yeah ted lasso's in it um there's a there's a number of um little cameos actually you've got um so jason sudicus who plays ted lasso will ferrell uh kit harrington david beckham there's a whole bunch of people that show up in this and it's sort of um but they're not they're not the focus right it's the it's those people and it's just I don't know how to talk about it, and I certainly don't want to spoil things, but there's there's people in this series, real people in the community who are suffering from loss, from death, from personal family troubles, uh, having their partner leave them. They shy away from from nothing, and I really mean nothing in terms of some of the worst things that can happen to a human being. Uh, it's quite intense in that respect, but it, it, it's all the more rich for it. If, if you're a football fan there's obviously an appeal there as well so and specifically if you're a fan of uh of of grimsby town of chesterfield of dagenham of stockport there are some really big episodes that those clubs are involved um but ryan reynolds and rob mcmahony the genuine emotional investment they have and how much they give back to the fans which neither of them expected either they sort of came into this and they made it clear from the start. It wasn't a play thing for them. It wasn't just like a bit of fun. It was they wanted to to help a community, and um, you know, and when things go wrong, which they do in the show, they take it on the chin. They put their hands up for not knowing what they're doing, and it's it's also hilarious as as you would expect. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is Ryan Reynolds. I mean, just as we always say, whenever you see him in any movie, he's. But this is so much more because it's with. It's, it's his humor, but with people on the street of this rundown town, Rob McElhenney, I am a massive fan of his. Uh, what an absolutely brilliant guy he is. And I know you've watched a lot of his stuff. The way the way he handles the whole town, not knowing who he is. Everyone's like, oh, it's Deadpool. And this other guy, it's like, he's he's hilarious <laughs> throughout it. And I have a lot more respect for Romans than I ever had before. He's, he's always made me laugh, but I saw a different side to him in this that you don't that you don't often see it's uh yeah it's made me like you know i haven't been back to the uk for 17 years but this show has had such an impact on me that i would say that the next time i go to the uk alongside shetland in scotland which is another show that's got to me i will be going to wrexham it's it's insane it's it's like you know we talk about if we go to the us we'll have to go to montana for yellowstone it's that kind of thing I'm look. I'm intrigued. Well, I I do love a good docu series, and I think there's enough elements in here that kind of tick some boxes for me. I have a, a upcoming long long flight actually, and I've been I've been trying to sort of find some good sort of content to get on the back burner, and this this show might fit the bill perfectly for some some great plain bingeable content. I will tell you right now, Dan, I don't think I'll be too too sort of soppy about this, but take some. Keep a, keep a handkerchief in your but I have not cried watching something as much since The Notebook. Remember The Notebook with your man from Drive? Um, and that's like, I don't know, this feels like 20 years ago. I don't know how long. But uh, this, this, if I had to recommend just one show for someone to watch in 2022, 
this would be it. And that's not because it's my number one show of the year. It's not. But it's because it's the only show that I don't need to know anything about the person, uh, what, what genres they're into, what type of actors or actresses or types of show they enjoy. This is a show about a community of people. It's a town that is down in its luck. It's kind of been left behind with the pace of industry and innovation and change and, 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 and how two people come along and try to give that town a lift and what it means to those people. It's those people. And yeah, you might struggle with a couple of episodes there. That would be my one complaint. There's probably two episodes that I thought were a bit of a dip where they, they go on to hooliganism and things that don't really matter to Wrexham for me. But honestly, Dan, I'll tell you, this is one of the greatest TV experiences I've had in probably a decade. Is this a contender for the top 10? Well, yes, it is. Like I say, it won't be my number I know it's not my number one show, but it's... It's, it's 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 had so so much of an effect, and I'm not, you know, I'm not much of a docu series type of person normally. I think this year I've only watched one, maybe two documentaries. We watched Val together, but that was because we had it as our movie. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of any others. Um, what was the Don't F with Cats? Was that this year? I don't know. No, that was. Was it? <laughs> I, I I don't watch many, and but this one, yeah, it's changed my. Like I feel like a low-key Wrexham fan. I've, I feel a, an odd connection. And um, so, yeah, so it's definitely going to be uh, in my mix for uh, in a couple of weeks when we start talking top tens because it's it's sat with me so sort of profoundly in that regard. I feel like I want to ask you questions around why this club is for sale and how it yeah, could be yeah. but i'm gonna hold off because i i, I think i want to watch it and I'm, I'm gonna definitely add to this. yeah and the other thing so I'd rec- sorry just quickly the other thing i'd recommend to anyone who's the same as you dan is and this was the case for me don't google anything about the club because you, you what you don't want to know is to find out oh do, do they do they do they get promoted do they win the league do they win the cup do they mm. get relegated you know don't so then when you do go through the football scenes you have that intensity that um everyone else has because for me i i didn't know the results that had come and not that that's necessarily the most important thing because it is not but it does add to it this is good in fact i've got a flight tomorrow morning ball i'm gonna watch the first episode tomorrow i'm gonna i'm gonna kick this off the good thing with disney plus which is what this is streaming on is that when you download episodes um they sort of stick around on your device for like weeks they don't they, they don't seem to expire like a lot of other platforms do so um mm. disney plus is good for this Good shout. I love a good, strong recommendation like this, especially especially when it's a top 10 contender. So oh, yeah. good shout. That's me this week, Dan, apart from our movie of the week. All right. So each week, Paul and I take turns choosing different movies of the week where we review them right here on the pod. If you would like to find out what that movie is, then you should come and join our Discord channel. This week, we are reviewing the 2021 movie starring Nicolas Cage called Pig. Yeah, so when you put these movies forward, I I was just like really struck by this. I was like, what, what, what is this pig? So a truffle hunter who lives alone in the Oregon wilderness must return to his palace in Portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped. And I just, I, I sort of looked at that and I just thought, is is that a story? Is that, what's going on here? And I was just, I don't watch many Nicolas Cage movies of late. I've, I've, I feel like 
a lot of his we've talked about this before i feel like a lot of his stuff felt like it was in the rearview mirror for me in terms of his his good stuff so i was real keen to see him take his hand to something like this what did you think this is another movie that has been on my radar for a long time like when it was first kind of announced again because it feels like this is it feels like nicholas cage the we're going through the 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 next coming of Nicolas Cage fandom, and I think movies like this kind of build that hype. Mm. And I kind of didn't know a lot going into this film, but I, I I do remember when the sort of first images appeared of this movie. People kind of referred to it as this going to be the the Nicolas Cage John Wick type type movie. And to be honest, it couldn't be anything further from <laughs> That's that. That's right. But it's um. This is a, a very kind of, I think, slow-paced movie with some deep messages. Um, I don't even know if I even know what all those messages are, but you know, ultimately, what we've got here is is Nicolas Cage, who's a he was a, a a very famous chef. He basically gives it all up, goes off the grid, um, finds truffles with his pig. It's obviously truffles are very sought after, very expensive. Um, his pig gets kidnapped at some point, and then kind of if we go if we go sort of too much further, we're kind of ruining the whole plot of the film. But it's basically a story of basically returning to the world and trying to get his pig back, sort of getting back into the particularly the the culinary or sort of chef scene that he, he was a part of, and. Like this is a an interesting movie. I, I to be honest with you, I don't know if I overly enjoyed it. I didn't dislike it, mm. but I I kind of walked away feeling a bit neutral about it. And I think there was some fantastic scenes in there. And I think one of my favourites would have been um, when Nicholas Cage is talking to a chef that he'd previously sort of tutored. Like he really, you know cripples him with just like basically like comments and words and in, in such a, a short period of time with a John Wick type um you know sort of like speed and but but wider than that like I don't know I I didn't I just didn't think I I I, I loved it I, I I didn't have a terrible time I didn't have a great time I had an I had an okay time, Paul. What about you? Yeah, I kind of I kind of do feel the same, Dan. To be honest, I um I think more than anything, it was it was a reminder for me to show a bit more respect to Nick Cage because he comes through in this movie for me with a a standout performance. He really, you know, I I would go back as far as bringing out the dead back in the late nineties, whenever it was for for the last time. I sort of was wowed this much by by Nicolas Cage I thought he was extraordinary I thought the whole the manner in which the story is told the simplicity of the I've got to find my pig like it's just the most extraordinary thing but ultimately for me it possibly wasn't quite enough for it to be like a oh you've got to watch this movie you know it's not going to be on my rewatch um sort of cycle uh, anytime soon but this again it's not to say that i i didn't appreciate this movie i think it was i think it was well made i thought it was really well um you know directed the the, the quietness of of this movie um was there it worked there was a lot of um this is a 90 minute movie done as well and i felt like that was long enough 
And I I was reading through the trivia um, just last night, actually, and they, they cut an hour of this movie because the distributors thought that people wouldn't be able to hand it. And I'm just thinking, could you imagine another hour on top of the 90 minutes? I mean, that that feels like there must be so much more story there for status. But um, I feel like a 90 minutes is is probably what made it just work quite nicely for me. I um, Yeah, I found it just a very raw performance. So I, I'm more focused in on what Nick Cage brought to this because uh, I thought that was the most uh, the most impact for me. I think you're right. I think Nicolas Cage smashed this role and I think it does sort of speak to his his range. I think um, you're I don't think any more than 90 minutes too much. Mm. I this is uh, Michael Sanofsky's first sort of feature film and I think as a as a first feature film it's it's, it's pretty impressive and it kind of feels it feels arty to me. Like it feels yeah. like an art house film. It feels like like there's so many, I think, probably deep cuts on this film that I think between some of the, you know, some of the implied um, outcomes and the ending of the film, like nothing's kind of left. In, and there's scenes in the film too where um, Nicolas Cage is, is basically getting um, beat up by some by some wait staff that is kind of more symbolic than it is necessarily um, sense making in the film. And I think. For the average person um, going into watching a, a Nick Cage film, I kind of need it dumbed down a little bit. Like yes. I, yeah, yeah. I, I feel the same. There was scenes where I didn't understand what was happening, scenes where I thought, "Oh, I know what's going to happen here," and absolutely nothing happened. They just sat down, and had a meal, and walked away. And I'm like, "That's not." And then by the by the time the end credits popped up, I was kind of like, "Okay," and I don't mind uh, obtuse ending you know um, the, the sopranos ending or whatever i don't mind that every now and then but i felt like i felt like if if i was in a group of people in a room i would be sitting there nodding quietly going mm, sort of tr- trying to make out that i knew what on earth had happened but actually i was actually quite confused but i am um, to give it to give it some uh context or some balance this is Nicolas Cage's favorite film of every movie he's ever done. He's also said that he would not be able to sit down and watch it again because he said he 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 left nothing on else. You know, he he gave such a raw um, performance that he would find it um, quite hard. It was also uh, former President Barack Obama's favorite film of the year. So, you know, there's there's a little bit of context in terms of you know maybe some more educated people than ourselves, Dan, I don't know. I, I think that checks out, right? Like, you know, I, look, I, I'm on the Fast and Furious 1 spectrum of, like, you know, movie intelligence. I, I can see where, like, I could really imagine, like, if you were in, if you were doing film studies, I would imagine it would probably be a fascinating, like, deep dive into what, into all sort of the subtext in the, of this film. And, and, and to a degree, probably a bit of a work of art. I do think this film... Will probably age well, and I imagine it could be one to go back and and watch at some point. I imagine it'll be unpicked for for years to come. Um, again, a little bit like the Northman, I didn't have a bad time. I didn't have a great time. I just had a time. Yeah, I feel like it's a uh, yeah. If you're into the arty type movies, if you've if you're pretty switched on, you're probably going to get something out of this. I. 
I got enough out of it to to have been quite satisfied with the watch, and I'm glad. I'm glad I watched it. That's how I left feeling, mm, and I mm. think that sometimes that's enough. To be honest, I think that's a fair call. Like I, I am also glad to have watched it, and I think it's sort of. I I do think there's some good messages in there, and I, I I do think it was a, a standout performance for Mr. Gage. So, I think for me, probably. It would be a generous two guns, maybe a one point five. Yeah, I'll go two guns as well. I think that's um, that's how I came out of it. I think I um, I know a few people that I would say to them, "Oh, you should check out this." But for everyone else, I'll probably just leave it for them to discover, perhaps. But if you are wanting to go check it out here in New Zealand, you can find it on Neon. Indeed. So make sure you join our Discord channel if you find want to find out what our next movie of the week is. Well, Dan, there's no surprises. I've given it away with saying it's the most emotionally uh, important wash of the last decade for me that my pick of the week is Welcome to Wrexham. So that sort of goes without saying. I guess that's pretty obvious. But for you? I, God, I'm, I'm kind of struggling. I guess it's going to be The Northman purely because it probably slightly stands out above everything else. In saying that, I almost wanted to give it to Harry and Megan because of how controversial it was and how much it kind of just like turned turn my view around so quickly, but I can't do it. It's, it's the Northman. I think that gets my uh, my shout out this week. Very good. Any news for us this week, Dan? Um, a little bit of news. Not not necessarily a lot going on. We kind of get into that time of the year. So um, what have we got? So Dune Part 2 has finally finished production, according to Timothy Chalamet. So, Paul, you better get uh, Dune Part 1 under your belt sometime over yes, the, over the holiday period. Get, get ready for number two. Um, we have got the first image of... Uh, Part two of the Joker movie has been released on Instagram. So uh, if you want to be spoilers free, maybe um, just heads up that I guess images are starting to appear. I won't describe what this image is uh, on the news desk in case you're trying to keep it private, but I think for, we're in for another ride, Paul. It's, it's going to be interesting. I think obviously there's a few of the sort of musical elements that still need to be surfaced, but this image, it's taking me right back to right back to the Joker. Nice. That's, well, that's a good sign in itself, I think. Indeed. Um, Jackie Chan has confirmed Rush Hour 4 is in the works. I personally never really been a Rush Hour fan. Hasn't hasn't really landed with me, but I I know there is a a lot of love out there. And Jackie Chan, obviously, 68 years old. Incredible. Incredible, Incredible, right? Yeah. Yep. Final bit of news for me is the Yellow Jackets is finally returning for season two. So it looks like we will get season two on the 26th of March. So not too long to wait. Season one was fantastic. Another great show to catch up on this holiday period if you're looking for a good kind of mystery thriller. But that is me, Paul. Anything on your end? Um, Nothing too major. I was quite excited by the season two Bad Batch poster. Star Wars Bad Batch, that was a, an animated TV series you and I really had low expectations on and came out the other side feeling like we've been schooled and really had a good time, right? Have you watched the trailer for that show? No, I got to be honest with you, I didn't know it came with a trailer. I just saw the poster, so now you're giving me something to do tonight. I'm going to spoil this trailer because I imagine <laughs> it'll be a much more limit, a limited kind of fan base. But I think we've got some new Jedi in there. Um, it's... 
some new younglings. It looks like some of our, um, I guess, o- Omega looks like she's growing growing up a little bit. I, look, I'm I'm here for season two. Mm. I I think I might try and save up a few episodes this time so I can kind of binge a couple. Yeah. Um, but it, it's looking very probably. Yeah, I think that's a good plan. And I'm glad to hear you say oh, you think Omega's maybe grown up a bit because that was one of our little pet peeves for the first season. So that's good to hear. But um, but no, that was all I had uh, news-wise, uh, mailbag-wise. Um, so last week we reviewed um, The Batman, uh, awesome epic movie. That uh, that review was shared by Philip Sean McGuinness, uh, and Philip was in The Batman. He played uh, the, the elevator guard uh, in one of the key scenes of that movie. And we also saw him in... Uh, the series five episodes of the responder as well he replied to our tweet and said um that he actually traveled straight from the set of the batman to the set of the responder same day um, he says it was an amazing day he loved the movie and he's looking forward to listening to our review which was um was awesome um always enjoy hearing from philip he's been in our mailbag a couple of times how much big dog energy are you oh. bringing when you've just been on the Batman and you're going to the responder? Abs- like, people know, oh, what have you been up to? Just been on the Batman. Yeah. Don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> the people on the responder are all like, oh, okay. Um, so that was that was really cool. Um, as I mentioned uh, last week, uh, our good friends, uh, Trisha and Patty over at Time Traveling Team Podcast, the Doctor Who weekly podcast that reviews every story right from the very beginning, they had their final podcast of the year. Um, and they, they did a rambling, a really good, um, Q and a session. Did you, have you had a chance to listen to that this week, Dan? Yeah, I've checked it out. I, on one of the, the three times a year that I log into Twitter and I, I saw that, um, <laughs> that posted a question and I thought this is my opportunity to strike. And I thought I'd ask them because they're obviously a, a Doctor Who focused podcast. If you were I, Paul, was going to become the, you know, next regeneration, who would become the doctor and whoever is the other person would become the companion. Yep. I was intrigued for their thoughts and lo and behold, it made it to the podcast. It did. It did indeed. I I was quite interested by the responses. So Trisha had you, Dan, as the doctor and me as the companion on the basis that I have apparently a very soft voice, a very calming voice. But over time, I'd probably start losing it. Um, whereas you would be the adventurous one saying to hell with it, spin the wheel, let's see where we're going on an adventure, whereas I'd be more reserved. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting that you got the nod as a doctor there. I also really, like I actually really like, and obviously this is all done with love. Um, no, I, I love sort of their, Patty talking about you, Paul, being like, look, I just, you know, Paul, he's, he's a bit quirky, you know, like he, <laughs> He could be the doctor. He could be the companion. I think um, either way, I think between us, we'd bring some some hijinks to the universe. Correct. I did appreciate Patty saying that I could wear the tweed jacket and be the doctor and have mm. you waiting in the wings telling me to run or giving someone the bash. But um, yes, I certainly did appreciate that. There was a lot of real good, fun questions in that podcast. So do, if you haven't already, check it out. If you're a Doctor Who fan, you really need to be onto that podcast um what else have i got there oh of course our, our um our peak performance for for last week um so that was tilda swinton we had a few suggestions ryan from oakland california went with we need to talk about kevin 
that's one I have not yet checked out. Uh, Diana from Capity went with The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Good shout. Michael, North Carolina. Suspiria, which actually counts as a regular 3-2-1 for him because she plays three roles in that movie. So, again, another one I need to put into my watch list. And then finally, um, Paddy uh, from Time Traveling Team Podcast, 3 2 one of Doctor Strange. We need to talk about Kevin. And number one was also Lion Witch and the Wardrobe for him. That's our mailbag this week, Dan. I don't know anything about this. We need to talk about Kevin. I'm just going yeah, to know right now. Like, is this... It's that rule, isn't it? If we hear about it sort of three times on one pod, then we it has to, it automatically gets added to um to the list. And it, it does um sort of get a lot of favorable reviews. It's also got your mate John C. Riley in it as well, which I know is always appealing. And of course, it's got Ezra Miller who's making the news all over the place, isn't he? It's I feel like, yeah, we're going to have to check it out. That's just something not on. I, I feel, you know, when things just don't appear on New Zealand streaming services and you're yeah. just in like this weird bubble. Yeah, that's what I put it so, down to as well. Yeah, the bubble. The bubble. That's us. This is good. Um, we'll move over to our final segment, as always, Dan, our peak performance, where we take it in turns to choose someone from the movie TV world, take a look back on their career and pick out what we think is the best thing that they have done so far. And this week, Dan, it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Great shout, Paul. Now, I've got to be honest, when you first said Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I was like, who? <laughs> and then when I obviously looked, in, looked her up in IMDb, of course I know who Mary, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is, but for some reason I just haven't retained her name in my, my database of movie information because she's been in – so many great, great movies. I think it's the three names thing where two of them, it's like when people have like Louise, Claire, Louise, Elizabeth, Mary, Louise, it's like they, I don't know, it becomes somewhat more confusing. I, I think, I think you might be right. Like I just haven't, for some reason, the, the name isn't stuck, but I think I've got my, my top two. So honorable mention for me, I'm going to go with 10 Cloverfield Lane, not only for being a, a fantastic movie, but um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays plays Michelle in this movie. Um, I think she, you know, a very sort of fascinating role alongside John Goodman, uh, that sort of kept in a, a bunker. If you haven't seen these movies, sort of doomsday, end of the world type thing, fantastic watch. Definitely a, a shout out for honourable mention. But for peak performance, I don't think I can go past the classic 2010 movie, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. This movie was a lot of fun. I thought that um, Mary's role as Ramona Flowers alongside Scott Pilgrim, really well done. I'm not going to deepen the, I guess, the, the graphic novel, comic book side of Scott Pilgrim, but I had a, a fantastic time with this movie and enjoyed the, I guess, the, the love interest role that the two played. How about yourself? Yeah, nice shots, Dan. I had a funny feeling that you'd wind up with Scott Pilgrim, so that's interesting you've gone with that because, yeah, awesome. I uh, I actually have an honourable mention of Fargo, season three of Fargo, which I think is maybe up there with the first, but out of the four seasons, probably season three is the one I've enjoyed the most. And um, so she plays opposite. This is where she met Ewan McGregor, who, you know, it's her partner and they they met on Fargo and the two of them try to rob um, Ewan McGregor's 
brother, who's also played by Ewan McGregor, because he plays the two roles in that, and the 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 relationship that he they have. Obviously, there's a very natural chemistry if they wound up together in real life, but um, they sort of get you know in, involved in this this double murder case, and it was just a really unique performance. Something Fargo always brings something different, as as we know with the the writer director team, and I thought this was absolute standout. Um, so yeah, so that's my honorable mention season three of Fargo. But the peak performance for me, Dan, actually, um, same as you uh, with your honorable mention, 10 Cloverfield Lane. I absolutely love this movie. I was a huge fan of the first Cloverfield movie. And whilst I'm not sure that that movie's rewatch factor has necessarily been maintained, which I talked about some time ago on the pod, 10 Cloverfield Lane, I feel like has got great rewatch value and for a movie where spoilers you never see any monster like you do in in, in cloverfield it's all about the threat of this monster it holds for me way way more tension somehow and i i really love that dynamic as you say that she has with um with john goodman who's 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 keeping her her captive um i love the relationship with the the dude john gallagher um and yeah it's just quite intense and that sort of doomsday factor makes it a real interesting watch and i just think as the lead in this i think she she really sells the whole movie and makes it the success that it is so those would be those would be my picks for mary elizabeth winston i honestly thought you were gonna come up with a death proof or um it's interesting i I thought one of us would have it i i was actually now that you mentioned i thought oh yeah dan's gonna have death proof and he's gonna have scott pilgrim and i thought there's no way death proof because death proof is one of those we talked about it when we did our tarantino pod um a couple of years ago in terms of how how much that movie is underrated and and how many great Mm. performances there are so interesting that neither of us had it in the end good shout well, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of uh, another episode of the Half Measures Podcast. does indeed. Thank you for tuning in, as always. If you've got a, a peak performance for us or someone you'd like us to do a peak performance on, let us know. If you've got a show that we need to watch very urgently before we do our top 10 podcasts of the year for 2022, let us know on our social media. Also, a very special shout-out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting-King, Diana Kanawa, and Michael Chalmers. We couldn't do it without you. If you, too, would like to become a Patreon producer, then you can find those details in the show notes below. And if you'd like to leave us a little Christmas gift, then please feel free to leave a review on Spotify, uh, iTunes, or wherever you listen to the Half Measures podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. But until next week, everyone, adios.